The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB community. This is Home Garden and Agriculture. We come to you on the second Saturday of every month to talk about uh, growing things, raising animals, um, doing for ourselves, all sorts of different um, homesteading and DIY uh, kinds of activities. And uh, today we're hosting uh, an open line session, but um, we'll have a couple of, of uh, items first to discuss before we get there. So do be thinking about your questions. My name is Marge and uh, co-facilitating here today with Deborah. You can reach us for, if you want to for any reason at th through email at acb.home.garden.agriculture at gmail.com. We also have a list serve and you can subscribe to that through the announcement that came this weekend about the ACB Community Weekend Sessions. Uh, the listing for this session includes a link for um, subscribing to our Homesteading by Touch listserv. So we welcome all to, to participate in that. So, um, Deborah, how's your garden doing? Not so well. I'll, I'll, this is true confession, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough summer. It's been a very, very hot summer, lots of days, over 100 degrees, and um, things are, are struggling. Uh, my flowers are doing well. The bees are very happy, but the um, eating part of my garden has, has not fared so well. Um, I was volunteering at the uh, Ada County Fair as I was volunteering at the Master Gardener booth. And I'll just say uh, I am a continuing Master Gardener with the University of Idaho Extension Agency. And over and over again, uh, I heard people talking about how pathetic their tomatoes have been this year. And it's, it's, I'm one of them. I, gotten a few but not enough usually I'm sick of tomatoes by now uh, but it's just been even too hot for tomatoes uh, mm -hmm. so you don't mm -hmm. get good good fruits at when it's too hot so no, it's you been don't. a little rough yeah but my um, grapes are looking awesome I, I have you know I, I had good good fruits I did have really nice herbs uh, when it was cooler until they went to seed. And now I'm starting to get some herbs again. I have a cup of Italian basil tea steeping right now. Um, but it, I've, I've definitely had better gardening years. Mm. How about you, March? Mm. How's it going for you? Yeah, well, we've had a, a more typical year here in uh, coastal Georgia. Not unusually um, high temperatures. We have been in a very rainy period for several weeks, but without the named storms. I think this whole country must be grateful or should be at this point that we have not had the named storms that 
we have so many years and, and knock on wood, let's get through the rest of hurricane season. That is through the end of November and hope that none of them make an appearance. So uh, as I said, rainy uh, weeks lately, a, a rainy day or two, and there are crops that, that don't like that. We definitely had some, some failures this summer. Um, but I'm harvesting lots of black-eyed peas and lima beans, and I need to shell. My fun activity for Saturday evening is going to be shelling those things, and I actually love and look forward to that activity. I listen to a book and shell away, and at the end, I have something wonderful to eat that I can put in my freezer to take out during the winter months, um, and, uh, have there a good good source of protein and, and so on, um, something also enjoyable to eat. So I like that. And um, here in coastal Georgia, we can plant fall and winter gardens. We can just start to do that now because of the heat. Um, but like, like many gardeners, I'm, I get optimistic at the start of each new growing time. And I'm planning on planting something like 15 different vegetable crops and have gotten a start on that. Um, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're getting fresh compost. We're, we're gonna make it happen. Planting turnips this weekend. I am ready for the fall and winter crops. The, the cooler temperatures will be okay by me as well because it means we can grow a lot more <laughs> than we can it is yeah during those summer months you yeah, know i think the Deborah, fall you is better, the best time you better investigate <laughs> some of those very high heat tolerant tomatoes and maybe people in your region should look at that um, because there are some that will set fruit um, at much higher temperatures now how good a tomato some of those are, I don't know. They have names like Sun Master and stuff like that. And you really might want to look into that if, if this trend continues of your temperatures being so high for so long, it would be worth experimenting to see if any of those perform um, for, yeah, for people in the, your region. We, they exist. We typically... Yeah, we typically have hot summers here, but this is the worst I've ever seen it. I've never seen the tomatoes be so devastated <laughs> by it. But thank no you for the tip. And and I, I will tell you, I, I did plant some collard greens. Um, and I, I, I am definitely looking forward to cooler gardening. And I have an experimental winter idea going on oh, too good. so well i hope it includes oh, it, it the collards fun. yeah yeah include those yeah. collards because they can take way down um a fair bit below freezing and in fact once it freezes they taste better yes so yeah you're those in for you're in for a treat those greens definitely are better once once that really cool stuff sets in and looking forward to it so um, what do you say about us seeing if anybody wants to talk about their garden or that what you're doing with plants, if you have any questions, yeah. it's a totally open line. So it's all yours today. Uh, folks can bring it where you want to take it today. And please don't make us just blah, blah, because oh, we'll <laughs> we do would it. rather hear if from you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, Nancy is our host today. Hi, Nancy. And I should say Nikki is our streamer. So Nancy, could you uh, let folks know how to join us? I will definitely do that. Started screen share, meeting controls. Participants can now see your screen. Speech on demand. You have entered a standard Zoom room on the Zoom platform. Here are a few tips to assist you. First, you must accept that the call is being recorded before you will be allowed to unmute. To do this on a PC, tab to the Got It button and press Enter. If the button isn't on the main screen, press F6 until it appears. From the Mac, once the meeting opens and you hear the call is being recorded, hitting Enter will activate the Got It button. From the app, swipe to OK to accept the call is being recorded. If you're using a phone, no action is needed. Now, here are some important commands. In Zoom on a PC, use Alt-Y to raise or lower your hand. To mute or unmute, press Alt-A. On the Mac, raise and lower your hand with Option Y. You can mute or unmute yourself by pressing Command-Shift-A. In the app, to raise your hand, look under the More button in the lower right corner. Mute is in the lower left corner. Both of these toggle the settings on and off. From a phone keypad, press star 9 to raise or lower your hand, and use star 6 to mute and unmute. All right, well, thank you. And Nancy, do we have any hands raised? We do not. Okay, I, I really want to encourage people, please do feel free if you want to let us know what you would like to talk sure. about in future um, calls. If you want to talk about any experience you have, current, past, um, with any kind of uh, raising animals, now taking care of plants, hands. we'd love to hear uh, from you. Now we're getting right. some hands. Nella. Okay. Hi, Nella. Hi, I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Um, like you, Deborah, I've had a very challenging, this was probably my worst gardening year in history. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just been a really bizarre year. We early spring, we had cooler weather than usual, flooding, and then we went into really hot, dry weather. And and I've had like a We lost you there, Nella. Very, very few Hello? tomatoes. Oh, yes. she's on okay. Nella used. Okay, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah gotcha. You go. Okay, yeah, we got you now. Yeah. Sorry. I'm on mute for a minute. Yeah. Was I? I didn't think I muted myself. Um, I, You're fine. I, I don't have really good signal. Um. Anyway, I was just saying this has like been the worst year ever. I between a cold, rainy spring, super hot, dry middle of the summer it's still a little dry here and then there's been way more pests um like I said squash bugs boar beetles if anybody has tips for ridding yourself of boar beetles I would love to know what they are you know I would too I have heard of tricks like using hydrogen peroxide planting boar resistant squash um not planting in the same place year after year. 
I've tried all of it and I still end up with the little buggers winning. Um, one of the tips that I'm going to try next year is to succession plant, to basically count on the boars killing yeah. off your first crop yeah. and your first plant and just make sure you, you know, have a second one ready to go uh, a few weeks later. And you can at least harvest until the boars win the battle. <laughs> That's the best tip I've heard. Yeah, and the earlier you can plant, I mean, I know if it's quite early, the, the plants don't do much, but once they've got enough heat to, uh, to take off, uh, sometimes you can come in before the borers do. And they, I think too, have hope because I think they go in cycles. At least that's my thought that maybe they do because we used to have them. And um, I had given up on, on planting squashes, summer squashes of any kind, and started in again and, and had much better success. Now this year I had another problem I think was a soil fungus, but it wasn't borers. And so I, I think moving around where you plant, you absolutely gotta, uh, but, but I think there's reason to to try the succession planting and to to do it every year regardless just knowing that it may not work but it may be that the borers are busy elsewhere and you're not plagued with them so i think it's a you know it's a it's a gamble but it's worth it and the thing is you know there's no question once the borers hit you know you know it's done um, so it's a, it's a, it's a fast death of your poor plants. At least they don't suffer. <laughs> yeah, we do though. <laughs> well, the nice thing about most summer squash is it produces so much that you get quite a bit before the spores wipe That's it out. That's true too. Usually. And I've heard crookneck's yeah. are somewhat more, crookneck squash somewhat more resistant. And so that's what I, I go for. Just hoping that that's true. So Nella, how are your goats doing with with all the weather shifts? Um, they're good. We've um, like I said, we the middle of summer, June, July, we got so little rain even in the beginning of August that I was, you know, they had between the goats and the horse, they had that pasture eaten down to nothing. So I was actually starting to feed hay, and we've had some rain, and I am getting, you know, some grass back. So um yeah that you know it's it's just been a really weird year but they're all looking really fat and sassy and um I plan on breeding them in November so that I have some spring babies oh nice all right and Nella's going to be coming on and talking to us about uh, making some products from goat milk in an upcoming uh call and you don't have to have your own goats. You can buy the milk, correct, Nella? Yes, you can. Sometimes that's hard. You know, it can be hard to find. I, um, if you buy it from a store, I, I don't know how well it works. Some of the what I've read about making cheeses, um, depending on at the what temperature it's been pasteurized at, mm -hmm. can make a difference when you're making cheese. So. 
um, I know like if you make mozzarella and you're buying cow milk or something for the store, you need to find one, a milk that's been pasteurized at a lower temperature. So um, if you can, you know, find someone in your area that has raw milk, that's the best way to go if you're comfortable using raw milk. Um, but, you know, there's definitely some things you can do with the pasteurized milk. Well, we look forward yeah. to hearing from yeah. you when we, we do that call. When was that going to be again? It's kind of flown out of my um, I believe you said November. I think we have okay. dehydrating okay. in October. I think you said dehydrating yeah. is in October. And then you think you said that I am in November. All right. Yeah. And maybe you can even slip in a little bit about soap making and some of the other, like Noah's like a, multifaceted gifted person um we'll have a good time talking with her and learning from her thank you for calling nella because thank uh, you you always have a lot to contribute thank you i feel like a complete failure as a gardener this year my herbs look pretty good and my flowers but nothing else has been very successful. So I'm like, if it weren't for my mm -hmm. herbs and flowers, I would feel like a complete failure. Well, it's not you, you, you know it's what? the weather. Yeah, you and I are in the same boat and I'm in Idaho and you're in Missouri. And I had a very similar weather situation. And I think I got four cucumbers this year. Mm -hmm. The boar beetles even got my cucumbers. Yeah. I've never had that happen before. I've had them get the squash. Wow. But they even got my cukes because my they were doing well. I, I even in the beginning got enough to make a few jars of pickles, but they were just gone. So I, I really think gardening is some type of addiction or illness or something. Because I've had a friend, I've had a couple of friends go, um, you know, because I'll talk about what I'm going to plant or how I'm making, you know, building some new um, raised beds. And they're like, I can't believe you're going to keep doing this after this year. And I'm like, but next year is better. You tell, yeah, it's, always it's, tell yourself yeah. next year is We're better. We're always optimistic, always, because we get a fresh yeah. start and, and we just have to do it. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just go inside and not do it, would you? I mean, no. <laughs> so Yeah. It's kind of like winning, playing gambling or winning the lotto. You just have to hope. We're, yeah. we're very optimistic people. <laughs> well, thank you, Nella. And Nancy, do we have any other raised hands? We do. We have three more. And Zel okay. let's see. Um... Hi, this is Zelda, Zelda North yes. Dakota. Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Zelda, our yeah. guest for next month how's right. it going Zelda? well it's it's going fine and and like all of you have said this has been an unusual gardening year i think that's what makes it very interesting we never know what to expect and as marge pointed out um gardeners like like farmers are very optimistic people and we always have next year to look forward to and to plan for um it was very we had a very late um cold uh wet spring and I thought I was never going to get things planted and and because of that by the time I did plant some of the cold season stuff um, it got too warm too quick and yeah. they didn't you know we didn't enjoy um, 
much spinach or, you know, I plant a lot of different lettuce varieties, mm. um, kale, and those things just didn't, didn't thrive. But because we had all that moisture, um, we had lovely, lovely asparagus because uh, of course that was mm. already planted. Right. <laughs> and, and so we enjoyed that. And then our, our berries were very nice, uh, both the strawberries and, and the raspberries. So that, because nature had them already in the ground, um, we, we did enjoy. But, but some of the other things, I'd think, oh, it's just ready. You know, we can get in the garden and it would rain again. Um, and, and so that, that was a bit of a challenge. But we are persistent and we just keep going. And, and there's, there's something good about every year. Um, we, we had good wood, good corn, good cucumbers. Um, right now we're in the midst of, of tons and tons of tomatoes. Um, I'm making tomato, tomato sauce and, and chopping up tomatoes for the freezer. And uh, so we're hoping to enjoy that this fall. I wanted to ask Marge, um, she was talking about her, her I believe, lima bean and, and uh, black-eyed Peas? Yes. Yes. Now, do you just pop that open with your thumb or is there a special way that you open yeah. those pods? Or yes. Um, is it like shelling peas? or It is. Okay. It is. And you pick them, both the, the, the limas and, and the, especially the black eyed peas, you sort of squeeze the pod when it's hanging out there. And if it gives, then it's pickable. If it doesn't okay. give, um, it's not. And with the black eyed peas, um, of course, that's, you know, Southern crop, but mm -hmm. a, a lot of the varieties are, are called zipper skin, which is exactly what you would imagine it is. Okay. Um, they're very easy to, to shell. You just pull the string and, <laughs> and, and the, the pod comes apart and, uh, and they pop out and many people will grow them and let them dry on the vine. I don't do that. I prefer them um, fresh frozen. So well, that's you, what I was wondering if, yes. if you waited until they were dry pods. Yeah, I don't. My sister does. Yeah. She does grow them and she's in a suburb of Minneapolis. So they, you know, they can grow okay. up there too, but um, she lets them dry. But see, if you pick them, they will continue to produce several more. Sure. Sure. And as long as you're gentle and you don't knock off the new pod that's forming, which can happen, um, your stalks keep um, producing and producing for, for a while. The, ours are starting to poop out, but uh, mm -hmm. they, they're going yet. And I, I love growing those. You can get vining varieties or bush varieties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm grow. I've only grown viners, but I have some bush seed that I want to put in when I have some space to do that. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious to see if they're as productive as the vining ones. Now I'm starting to appreciate the vining ones because then I don't have to squat down to pick them. Yeah, if you've got you know? something to grow them on a fence right. or something, right. yeah, they, they yeah. like that. If they don't have somewhere to, to, to climb on, they're, they're not. They're a mess. Happy. Yeah. yeah. They're yep. a mess and they're not happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I, Mark, um, when you freeze them, do you blanch them or do no, you just pop them nothing. in? Okay. Just pop them they're in. They're very yeah, easy no to freeze. Uh -huh. yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've got uh, another question for, for everyone. Um, has anyone used like a, a vacuum sealer to, to do any of the preserving? Um, 
or do you just use like a Ziploc bag to, to freeze things in or, or containers? I had one for a while. And the reason I didn't continue with it was that you um, couldn't reuse the plastic. Mm -hmm. You know, once you'd sealed up a bag and, and it was in your freezer like that, you couldn't take it out and empty it and reuse it. Now, there might be vacuum systems that allow for that, and that right. would be worth researching. Right. Um, but it was like you had to buy their bags and their, and I just... For each and every um, time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> I do, which is a, a, a real poor substitute is use Ziploc bags or containers. But if I'm using Ziploc bags, I stick a straw in and suck all the air out that mm -hmm. I can suck out. It's yeah, as I, good as it gets. I, I try and get as much air out too. And, and I, I, why I like the bags is because like, like say my raspberries, I'll freeze those on a sheet pan, like a jelly roll pan that's got an edge to it uh, so that they can be in a single layer and then go ahead and loosen them up and put them in a gallon uh, size bag. And then whether I need a cup or two cups or whatever I need, I can take out what I need um, and, you know, it's, it's easy on the other end of things to, to use yeah. just, just what I want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I must get your raspberry sauce recipe. I still remember your description oh, about those, yeah. that cake oh, you I, make. I can share that. With the, please I, do. Okay. I will do that. Yeah. You, you need to send that to the list. I don't know if you're okay. on the homesteading by touch list, but. No, I'm not. That would but be I, awesome if you could do that. It's yeah, not a high traffic list. Okay, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. do that. I saw that today. Yeah, everybody's afraid of that. The reason <laughs> I asked about the, uh, the, you know, the vacuum sealers, we just got home today from uh, a Canadian fishing trip. Mm. And um, that was such a slick way to deal with our fish, yes. uh, especially since we were crossing the, the border um, was to, to, freeze those fish in a single layer one fish at a time and you always have to leave a little identifying skin on so they can tell the species of fish mm -hmm. that you you've got and then um the friend of mine that we were visiting she rolled up um a piece of paper towel folded that in a nice little one inch fold put that at the top of not not where it's sealed but just under that and then when she sucked the air out in the vacuum sealer any of the additional juice um you know liquid would come up into that and I think there you know she's done this many many times and has been very successful with it and I'm looking forward to that and I, I got to thinking what else can I use <laughs> something like this for but I haven't invested in one and I was just wondering if any anyone on the call had experience with that well we'll so. see you never know who's listening okay so if somebody has please do call and let us know and I'll keep listening thank you all right Zelda. it's been good talking with you Zelda glad uh -huh. you had a good fishing trip we did all right, and we're ready for the next hand. Area code 207 ending in 054. Hi, this is Carol. Always a delight to be here. Hi, Carol. Um, hi, Carol. And it's I'm, wonderful hi to have there. 
Thank you. Yeah. And of course, here I sit up in Maine, talk about being in a totally different um, climate, so to speak. Um, we're at the end of our growing season. I'm, as you know, I'm not an out big outdoor gardener, but but uh, we're we're uh, we just putting out mums now, you know, um, and they're just popping. So we're everything is, as a matter of fact, within the next few weeks, I'll be taking things off my deck, the flowers and herbs that I have out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's been an okay season up here, um, good growing, but we have had a couple of weeks of really hot, hot weather, which is most unusual. We usually get a break at night and just haven't been getting that. Um, but but I think the, this, this season has been a good growing season in general um, up here. Um, I just had a couple of other things. One was I just um, went to a, with a friend to our local farmer's market and got um, this, got soap. And I love the soap. Uh, I happen to love the cucumber scented, but I got lavender and lemon and um, what else did I get? Something else too. And I love those bars of the homemade soap sometimes with with so many different things. Um, The other thing, kind of on a sad note, um, I did have to put my horse down this um, just, you know, a few weeks ago or yeah. Um, But, you know, it was one of those if, and you horses or animal people will get it. It was clear. There wasn't any decision to be made. It was his time. He was 31 years old and had wow. a wonderful life. So yes, I you just, gave him I, a very good life. Oh, he, you know, and he, we could just be right there. And the vets here are just, was just, she was just wonderful. Never easy, never an easy thing to do, but, um, that we have him and he's buried right out in the pasture where he lived uh-huh. and um and just yeah it's just it's just you know hard thing to do but he he didn't owe me anything and I didn't owe him anything we just uh, mm. it just worked out just fine so uh, but I will well, just uh, pass that on because it's always hard to do yeah, yeah, for those who may not know, Carol did a show on horses with us. You can find it in the podcast. And uh, yeah, he he was a special one. He was. Mm, he was. Yeah. He was. So. And yeah, I you did the right thing for him. You did. You know that you right. did the best thing you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I do have to ask if you had any black-eyed Susans this year. I did black-eyed Susan vine. Yeah, I did. I had um, a couple of big pots hanging on my deck, and the the thing this year that really struck me was that um, I had to really get out there every day to water them. I had petunias um, and the herbs, anything that was out there, but the black-eyed Susan vines. Um, and they, and then also I'm a notorious deadheader and that makes a huge difference, makes a huge difference too, is, is the water and deadheading. And then the next day popping right out again with mm. the petunias Ab- and the yeah. black eyed Susans. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I had, I went out a couple of weeks ago and just did some really big whacking back on my, uh, perennials. And it is amazing how much that brings in a beautiful flush 
of new blossoms. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. hard to do. It's hard to go out mm-hmm. there and deadhead yeah. and whack it back. But um, it, yeah. it, especially when they're starting to look kind of pathetic toward the end of summer, you can often <laughs> right. inspire them right. to do another fall show. Yeah, right, right. Well, I find that I, I, I have to say I don't enjoy, I enjoy the deadheading because I know of what it's going to show the next day or within a day. Um, and also I find it, um, it's just, it's wonderful to be able to go out on the deck and do the deadheading. I don't know, it's an activity that somehow brings me in it and also putting my hands on the, on the plants. That's, of course, mm-hmm. um, always a pleasure. I, I think there the are just these activities that, you know, to, to non-gardeners would seem very unappealing, but to us, <laughs> you know, maybe even certain kinds of weeding and what you're talking about mm-hmm. with, with getting off the, the dead parts of the flowers, it's very meditative, it's very, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing something that the plants need, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just this... Um, I don't know, you know, it, it can be calming. Um, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of benefits to these kinds of activities that we do that can be very repetitive that uh, people would think, you know, why, why do you want to do that? But, you know. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can show you why. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my, yeah, one other quick, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a notorious houseplant person and I wondered if anyone had any uh, brilliant, um, unexpected houseplants or any great success with their houseplants because I'm surrounded oh. by by them. So always looking for that, ideas. For sure. Absolutely. And you just made me think of something. A few months ago, we got a call from, I forgot her name, from England. And she was asking about growing a fragrant indoor flower. And um, I suggested some forms of of orchids, but she wasn't that excited about that. And we made a couple of suggestions, but it didn't hit me until later that gardenia would be a really Mm -hmm. good possibility for her. I've grown it indoors and uh, it is a very lovely plant, even without the flower, but the Mm -hmm. flower is Mm -hmm. amazing. Have you grown gardenia inside, Carol? I have not. Um, I freely admit that I've got um, a couple of, of, of flowering things, but I'm much more foliage person. I've got Christmas cactuses mm-hmm. and I've got tons, a bunch of those and some others, but um, I really have to, to turn to someone else for that kind of, um, kind of thing. I don't, I do do very much um, flowers, many flowers, okay. I should say. Right, well, yeah. it's hard to find um, flowers to grow inside. So, um, well, it is. Fragrant, I mean, they need, yeah. Flowers. I mean, what they need in terms of, of light, you know, daylight hours and this mm-hmm. part of the spectrum they need, you know, just mm-hmm. isn't um, uh, indoor growing would often not be the best for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. So, well, thank you. Always a delight. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. All right. Do we have any more hands, Nancy? Area code 814, ending in 553. Hi, this is Devin. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Devin. Thank you for calling. Where are you calling from? 
I'm from Pennsylvania. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is my first time in the group, but I really love gardening stuff um, ever since I was a little kid, but I'm just kind of getting into it recently um, at my house here and also with my neighbor. Um, but I think we had an issue with that, the vine borer beetle this year, but I don't really know. It just seemed like the, the vines just wilted. Is that what usually happens with those? Yes, they yeah. are nasty with, little with the, boogers. The they eat, they, the, the larval stage will um, eat the roots. And, and they burrow up into the, the stems. Yeah, they go up oh, into the stem yeah, they, and they, then the whole plant falls over. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. and it's fast. It's fast. A day. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems like have overnight. The, yeah, the larval uh -huh. stage will do damage, and then the um, adult stage will also do damage. Uh -huh. So they they hatch out underneath, and then they they're and they stink like really strong squash if you squish them. But, okay. Um, the, the you can often see the eggs on the undersides of the leaves. They're little orange eggs. Well, somebody can see them. I know I can't, but mm -hmm, um, right. I've been told their eggs are orange, and you, okay. they are on the undersides of the leaves. But they are super common all over the country, and they are mm. quite. And the thing is, they they um, the eggs stay dormant in the soil. And so that's why you, they, they just, um, you can't, even if you could see the, the eggs on the leaves, it wouldn't help you in the least because it's um. in the soil. It's just all over the place. And so you always need to either, you know, move your, um, where you've planted, you know, try somewhere else for a few years, or you need to completely replace the soil, which, you know, would be an option sometimes in beds, but uh, raised beds. But that's that's a big thing to to, to do. But really, you sure. just have to try planting them somewhere else, and um, and and it may not be a problem next year. You know, you just you don't know. But now that you know what it is, at least you know maybe you can you can get somewhat of a harvest be, before they attack. So get your squashes in as early as you as you safely can, so they won't freeze. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There are um, some there are oh, some ahead. pesticides you can treat them with. I'm an organic gardener, so I don't use that. But there are pesticides mm -hmm. that you can use too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to be organic also, so mm -hmm. I just I wasn't sure if there was anything any options for that. But um, it's a battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I totally get what, what everyone said so far. It's just kind of funny, like how even though it is a battle and sometimes you don't get anything from certain plants, there's just something that keeps drawing you back. You know, I was, I try to describe it to my friends and my husband. It's like, it's the one place and the one activity that, you know, I, I just forget about everything. I'm just like, it clears your mind and you, uh -huh. you just, I don't know. It's very fulfilling, I find. so and just um, calming and, and really enjoyable. So I, I love groups like this, just learning more about it. And that's a cool part too. I'm, you never can know it all. So it's, it's fun to get involved and learn more 
um, I did want to join the listserv, but when I entered on the link um, yesterday, it opened an email, but it didn't have anything in the to field. So oh. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you could I don't try know copying and you could try copying and pasting the link, and okay. the, and then put subscribe in the subject, subject yeah. of the email, and hopefully that works. Okay, thank you. This yeah, is Zelda, and and I just tried to subscribe yep. as we were just talking, and and I had a a you know, uh, an error message that came back also uh oh yeah oh maybe the maybe it is not in there correctly nella if you are still listening she's the the one who's managing the list if you want to pop back in and let us know what's going on can, um, you, can you hear me i'm outside yes, yes. No. yes um okay we can hear you uh, so yeah, I haven't tried that. Last month I tried it just out of curiosity and it worked. You can, um, it, it's a groups IO is the, the host for the listserv. So you can, if you want to subscribe, you can type in um, home studying by touch. That's all run together, all lowercase home studying by touch. Then the plus sign, the word subscribe, at groups.io, just the letters I and O, and that will um, get it to me. You can also, if you want, there's a, oh, what is, what is the other email, Deborah, the um, 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 home garden and. Oh, well, you, or you can, yeah, acbhome.garden.agriculture at gmail.com if you want to to email that I can try I can send the link to you yeah or if you forward it to me I can um sign them up so um okay. yeah okay. I don't know I'll why it's forward those to you my guess is somehow though it got put in wrong this time because lot lots of last month out of curiosity I tried it and it went right to the um yeah so I yeah I bet it just didn't it was probably typoed somehow yeah, also, if you're familiar with the groups.io going on to that website, you can search by Homesteading by Touch and find it that way, too. And there's an option to subscribe. If you're it, their website that is it's let's say it's accessible, but not easy. It's like I have to go around in circles sometimes to find what I want. So. Um, it does work, but it can be a little tricky sometimes. But again, the, if you can do the homesteading by touch plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And then I will get it in the preview and you will be on the list. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thank glad you. you. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to know that was an issue. Do we have any there, other hands raised, Nancy? There are no hands at this time. Okay. Well, Deborah, I had a, a question for you. You know, I saw eggs today at Whole Foods at $6 for a dozen. <laughs> How's your chickens? <laughs> My chickens are doing great. I have um, just five left. 
uh, I don't, some people might remember last spring, I lost three chickens in four days, something, a really nasty disease called Merrick hit my flock. Um, we thought it was bird flu and thank goodness it wasn't because if it was, I would have lost the entire flock. Uh, and that was after 11 years of no issues at all. But um, the five I have left age and range, their ages range from two to 11. And all of them, even the 11-year-olds laid some eggs. Oh, my and gosh. And I still have eggs from the younger ones. Um, the 11-year-old, the for some reason, decided during the hottest part of summer, she was going to lay an egg about one every other day for about wow. a month. And oh I kept goodness. telling her to knock it off, but she didn't listen. <laughs> I was like, you, I don't need your eggs anymore. You're old. Oh, wow. You're retired. Stop this. But um, yeah, she just wouldn't stop. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, but you know, chicken food is very expensive. I just well, paid $40 I know, for a bag yeah, of that. Yeah. I'm sure you are paying a lot, but um, you know, it, buying them in the, in the store can, can be a little bit of a, a sticker shock experience these days. So at least you um, are are spared that, even though you've you've got to got to buy that chicken feed, and so do the the egg producers are having to buy the chicken feed as well. And I know that that's part of the reason for the the price increase on eggs. I yeah, I I definitely don't save money raising my own chickens because <laughs> I kind of spoil them, but. Um, I, you can it, pretend it, you do. I, like gardening. Yes, like gardening. I find it very rewarding, very relaxing. I have a routine. I go out and do this with them and that with them every day. And and it, it, it's a form of therapy for me along with the having plants. And when I say gardening, I am including those of us who have house plants too. It's all gardening. It is. So, yeah. So um, I need to ask, you um marge you do have uh citrus and when do you start harvesting when will that really come on and start needing that's to be um the earliest tend to be some of the satsuma mandarin varieties and um that may be uh as early as the end of october and mm. um Satsuma season is pretty finite, um, you know, with most of the varieties by mid-December, um, they're, they're kind of done. Um, and, and you just hope for good flavor. What we've realized, um, some of the growers, is that these areas where um, we can grow satsumas very productively are nighttime temperatures are still so warm that they don't develop the flavors that we want to see. Mm. And so I don't know um, quite what, what we're going to see with, um, with the flavor, but I won't, um, I won't try to sell them if, um, if the flavor is uh, poor. But, uh, so the if, flavor varies <laughs> year to year depending on the weather conditions? It can with the, with the satsumas. Mm. It, it, it really can. So um, mm. that's a variety that is pretty much not grown in Florida, never has been. 
um, because it's simply too um, too warm, and it's a more a, a, a Gulf Coast uh, kind of variety over into Alabama, um, and and those parts, you know, more so than further south. So there's those for for starters, and then um, by late November, other things are are starting to color up or drop if if they feel like they're um, the trees will will drop some things and we'll usually try some of the, the downer fruit see how it is <laughs> see if it's semi-edible or not we've had a few mm. downers already in fact hmm. yeah i you inspired me to grow a lemon tree to get a lemon tree well it was looking really I called it my Charlie Brown lemon tree until about a month ago. It just kind of perked up and, and the leaves are getting bigger and fuller. It's still not the most beautiful tree I've ever seen, but it's, it's actually doing pretty well. I've had it outside all summer and uh, it, when I first got it, it dropped almost every leaf and it was just kind of a stick in a pot for a while, but yes. it came out of it. Those Meyer and, lemons, uh, yeah, temperamental. Yeah, it, 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 it looks good. It looks good now, at least it's alive. I also have a fig tree. I About the same time I got the lemon tree, I got a fig tree and I'm growing that in a container and mm-hmm. it, I, when I got it, it was about a foot tall. It's about four feet tall now. It's mm-hmm. bushy. It's beautiful. And it has four little teeny figs on it. Uh, typically, I would pick those off and let it just focus on the tree. But since the tree seems pretty healthy, I'm, I'm going to see what those figs taste like. <laughs> so yeah. I'm keeping them on there. Uh, I hope you like get them fish, and fresh not the birds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if that's true. That's true. I, hopefully I get them. I do have a lot of birds, yes. Yeah, we have a lot uh, yeah. of figs in, in Georgia. It's a very popular mm. uh, fruit variety here and yeah, lots of them. And, and, and here is your 10-minute time tree. check. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, figs All grow, right. I think, in a lot of parts of the country and for something that really is pretty easy to grow. um, If you have space for a tree, um, I certainly recommend a fig tree. You can keep them very manageable with with just some pruning. You can keep them more bush-like. That's what we're doing with ours. The one I have is called a Chicago hardy fig, and it is supposed to be able to grow in places like mine that are not um, it, that are pretty cold for figs and I could plant it in the ground and give it a lot of TLC and hope to get it through the winter but I think I'm going to keep it in the container I, I think that's why just don't want to risk it yeah even though it's supposedly going to live in my zone I it's it's borderline here so I'm hoping to keep it but there's just nothing like a fresh fig. I've gotten what they call fresh figs at the grocery store, and they are terrible. Um, yeah, I've eaten a, fresh a lot fig this the summer. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They're, they're an amazing, yeah. very interesting fruit. 
So yeah, it, and I recommend it as a house plant, except it stinks. It mm. does stink. It smells like cat pee. Oh dear, I hadn't <laughs> so, noticed that. Yeah, you I know, Deborah. Um, I um, you talked several months back about your your green stalk planters, and I'm wondering if um, we might be able to finish today, unless there there are other questions or comments with you talking about those a bit, because I think they're an interesting option for people who don't have a lot of space. And um, Don and I were out walking a couple months back in an area we don't usually walk in, and he pointed something out to me, and we went up and looked at him, and it was the three, you know, it was the lower level size mm -hmm. or the lower the height here. green stalks, uh -huh. but I recognized it instantly. That's green stalk. Deborah has those. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't, I, they're a little hard to understand, but could you, could you talk about them and how they did for you this season and what your plans uh, are for them? I will if we do, do we have any other hands raised? Because I don't want to monopolize time. Any last minute hands, Nancy? You do not have any hands, no me. Okay, so my green stalks are vertical planters. They are basically big round pots that stack up on top of each other. Uh, I have the five tier. It has 30 pockets all together. Each level has six pockets. And uh, I had really good luck with some things and not so good luck with other things. I had uh, the greens do well in there in the spring when it was cool. The herbs did well in there when it was cool. But once that hot summer hit, uh, things just didn't do so well. Uh, I still have, I have some flowers planted out there. I have a pepper and eggplant. Uh, I would say that my results are pretty mixed and I'm going to see what they do this winter. I am going to try greens in them this winter because they seem to do better when it's cooler. The mm -hmm. other issue is the soil. Uh, I noticed some things just did not take off. It would start and be stunted. And I've learned mm. that some of these soil mixes that have cocoa core in them have too many salts and, it's, and it stunts your seedlings. And I think that could be what happened to some of my seedlings. They just, like I had some holy basil in there and it stayed at about half an inch tall for three months. Okay. It just didn't grow. And, um, my understanding is that's very likely because of the the high salt content content of the potting mix. So uh, it's weird though because the stuff doesn't die; it just stays really small. <laughs> I would I would just say you know that there weren't enough nutrients in the soil to sustain no, I, what you were growing. Yeah, I've been no, I've been fertilizing. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that was it. I also use rabbit manure and mm -hmm. um, 
So I don't think that was it. I think it's very likely the cocoa core issue with the high salt content, it binds up the nutrients. The uh-huh, nutrients sure. are there, but they can't be absorbed. Yeah. Um, but I, but stuff that I did not grow from seed that I uh, transplanted in, those did okay. It was just the stuff I tried to grow from seed. So I've been working really hard to flush the soil very carefully. And I am trying more seed this fall. And I see I have stuff that's coming up. We'll see how stunted it stays. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So it's still an experiment in progress. I'll say it that way. Yeah, yeah. So maybe having to get out some of that soil. I and mean, one of the things I've wondered about with them is how long you can really use that soil in those things, you know, because well, wouldn't for, you at some point have to change it out? No, from what I understand, you amend it, but you don't have to change it out. You mm-hmm. just amend it. Mm-hmm. And it does settle. It does kind yeah. of eventually find its way out. So it's, you just kind of amend it over time. Sure. At least you would a raised bed, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That. Very similar to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I did grow, I still do have some lovely herbs um, that a lot of them have gone to seed. So they aren't flavorful anymore, but they're still pretty. They still look nice in there. I have some flowers doing well in there. Um, I, I'll, I'll re- keep people posted on it if they want to know. Uh, I do still recommend it. And like I said, I did get a really nice um, crop this spring, but that was all stuff that I had transplanted in and mm-hmm. didn't grow from seed. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're an interesting option because they make it easier for watering because the water transfers down through these different uh, pots, pockets that, mm-hmm. that you've mentioned. And so that um, it, it really offers a, a good watering system, though in extreme heat, you know, you're dealing with a pot and it's, it's tough to keep things going in, in pots in high heat. It just is, no matter what you do. Yeah, I was, I was out there watering twice a day. And, and it, it, because we had a lot of over 100 degree days and that takes a lot of time and it you do water from the top and it trickles down but it's i i still like them i don't regret them i'm just learning what works in there and what doesn't and what works in my area may not work for somebody else's and vice versa Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking somebody who does have a patio or any kind of a smaller outdoor space, you can, you know, look at at the footprint of those things. And they're made in the U.S. And, you know, it's a great idea, um, I think. It and, is. And they're, they're pretty available. You just have to get the, the, uh, the soil um, to, to fill them and then decide on what you want to grow in them. And there is a three-level version. That's what I saw when we were out on our, on our walk, so. You do have a hand. Great. Zelda. We've got about one Hi, minute. Zelda. Okay, I just wanted to ask, you call this green towers? Is that what? 
Green Stock. You can Green check Stock. them out at okay. greenstock.com. Great. And, and they have a lot of accessories. <laughs> all right. And Deborah, did you have them, how were they oriented um, like from a building? Were they on the south, on the east, on the west, on the north? I, I have some that are getting full southern exposure and mm -hmm. some that are getting, they're partially shaded. I okay. actually moved some to be partially shaded because right. the, it, it was just things were burning brutal. out too fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. But, we, we're at yeah. six o'clock. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Nancy. You're very and, welcome. Uh, Nikki. And thank you to everybody who called. We appreciate it. We'll see you, see next, you next month, month talking to Zelda about dehydrating. <laughs>